heard a new reason for using effective praise on Caleb yesterday morning. So this is for all the dads out there. Um, if when you, the kids grow up in a home where they hear lots of praise, they get better checkups at the dentist, right? That means you, your bill's not as big because they don't have as many cavities, right? So good reason to use praise with your kids so they get, yeah, you spend less money on your dentist bill. But tonight we're going to talk about encouraging good behavior by giving reasons. Now when your parents asked you to do things, what reason did they give you? Because I said so. Absolutely. I heard that all the time. And why did that work for them? What was that? Because you, yeah, you were afraid you were going to get a spanking. Uh, a, a, few, a, a few months ago in training, one of the guys said, because my mom would tell me, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. <laughs> and you believed her, right? You were afraid. But is, is, is fear really a good motivator? It's not, right? We have. So let me give you some examples. God, God doesn't just tell us to do things because he said so. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, let me start off with, with one from Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7. Now, I might not have typed this. I was typing pretty quick uh, when I did this. But 4, 6 tells us, don't worry about anything, but instead, anybody know it? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. But that's not the end of it. In, in verse 7, he then says, then you'll experience God's peace. That's a reason to do the praying, right? And that peace will exceed anything you can understand. Right? So we're going to be talking about giving reasons to our kids. Right? So what I want you to start off with is get that notepad out. I want you to write some of the things that you're likely to tell your kids because I said so. What are they doing? What are you telling them to do? And your response your go-to response is because I said so. Let's start off with writing down those behaviors your kids are doing. I like to see the discussion. That's good. It's okay to have a conversation about this. Realizing that you're not alone by saying, because I said so. So, let me talk a little bit more about why we're giving some reasons. Uh, I, for those of you who know, I work at Boys Town. And, and back, in the, back in the 60s and 70s, when Boys Town was moving from an orphanage to dealing with at-risk kids, they did some research. They actually, the research, uh, Boys Town's model they use was founded on uh, uh, achievement homes done by University of Kansas. And they, they had this, this great couple. They started this home. They were doing the research. And they thought, okay, we have everything together. And so they opened another home and got another couple. And the second home just flopped on its face. So they did a lot of research. Why did one work? Well, why did this house work? And these, this couple did really well, and this couple didn't do so really well. And, and what, one of the things they found was that the couple that was successful was giving kids reasons for their behavior. 
right? So there's a lot of research behind it. Um, but again, they're not, it was my, maybe new behavioral research, but God is, uh, knows a lot more about behaviors than, than our behavioral scientists, right? Uh, let me give you another one that God, God tells us. I'm going to paraphrase Romans 12, 1 and 2 a little bit. But it says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because all he's done for you. And it goes on to say, don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world. And it also says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then he follows it up with, because I said so. No. <laughs> he, he says, then, Paul, Paul's right, then you will learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. By doing those things, by making your body a living sacrifice, by not copying the customs and behaviors of this world, by letting God transform form you into a new person, you're going to know his will for you. Well, how many of you want to know God's will for you, right? Now, God, is, God can say that definitely. As a parent, we're not so good about being definite. So when you hear my examples of rationales, they're not going to be quite as clean cut as God's, Right? So, but what we're doing when we're giving rationales and reasons is we're trying to connect what we want them to do, what the behavior is, with the natural outcomes of their behavior. Now, we know from, again, some research that sometimes natural uh, um, consequences aren't a really good teacher because they don't always happen and they're, sometimes they're a long time after behavior occurs. But you can teach your kids right after you see behavior. Um, so let me give an example. If you, if you touch a hot stove, what's the natural outcome? You get burned. So all of you have probably given that kind of reason to your, your kids. Don't touch a hot stove, you'll get burned. If you play in the street... What's likely to happen? You might get run over by a car, right? Now, how often when you touch a hot stove do you get burned? Every time, right? So if you do that, your kid does that, they're, they're going to get burned. They're going to learn from that. Now, I'm hoping you're not just going to let that happen. <laughs> Natural consequences are going to be a good lesson, but I'm hoping you're not going to let it happen. But every time you play in the street, do you get hit by a car? No, <laughs> but the chances are, are increased, right? So we, we, we point out that natural outcome of what's happening in their behavior. So when do you want to use reasons? Well, last time I was here, we talked about praise. Well, when you praise your kids, um, if you want them to, re, uh, to increase the chance of doing that same behavior, use, give them a reason. Um, let me give you an example. If, if they've... If, Miraculously, they cleaned up their room. And you tell them, hey, look, you know, when you keep your room clean, you can spend less time looking for your toys and more time playing with them. Right? So you praise their behavior. Maybe you're correcting the behavior. Or let me, let me take a step back. Maybe you're teaching them to clean their room. Right? Because we want to be able to do that. And you let them know, hey, you need to put stuff where it belongs. You need to make sure, you know, things that need to get thrown away are thrown away. Whatever, it, you know, you wipe things off a little bit. And you tell them when you do that, you're able to find your toys and, and spend more time playing. So while you're teaching them, you could do that. Now, maybe you have older kids. So uh, if you put your dirty laundry away and put your clean clothes away, you spend less time in the morning looking for your clean clothes. You're not so rushed in the morning. 
So if you, have, you can use good reason for, for your older kids. Or maybe it's when you're correcting them. Maybe you walk in and the room's a disaster, right? So anybody ever have that happen? Yeah. That's been my favorite one. So. But we've also said it's their room. They want to take the time. But hey, so you correct. Hey, look, your room's a mess. You're going to have to take some time to clean your room right now. I don't know what else you had planned, but you're going to clean your room. And it, but if you, you know, you, you, it needs to be picked up. Your stuff needs to be put away. And when you do that, you're going to be able to find your clothes a little bit or the stuff for your homework or whatever it might may be. Um, but there are, are lots of types of reasons to give kids. Uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually use 2 Corinthians to kind of talk about those types. So the, there's three types. One is a, a positive outcome. And that means that um, there's something in it for you. Um, I started off with a rationale for, for appraising your kids, right? More money in your pocket and less money for the dentist, right? That's a benefit to you. That's a positive outcome. So you need to find out what benefit is for the kid. Because if you point out why they're going to benefit, they're more likely to do the behavior. They're more likely to do what you've asked them to do. Um, think about the example I just gave you about cleaning your room. Uh, if, you, if you put your toys away, you spend less time looking for them and more time playing with them. That's a benefit to the kid, right? That's not your benefit, right? Another type is it's a negative outcome. So what that means is what happens if you don't use a behavior, all right? So if you don't clean your room, you, you spend more time looking for your clothes and then you're rushed in the morning, or late for school, right? So you can point out, if you don't do something, what might happen? A negative behavior, right? The other type is, is a concern for others. So uh, this is, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult one for, you have to kind of find the right time to use a concern for others, um, for our kids, because if all we focus is on what benefit is to them, we're kind of working on building selfish kids, right? Well, most of our kids don't need any work. They don't need our help <laughs> to help them be selfish, right? They do that all on their own. And so we want to help sometimes use rationales that, affect, that point out how their behavior affects other people. Um, and maybe that clean room one isn't one that, but you know what, if you... If you if you take out the trash, then our house doesn't smell. None of us have to smell it. No, it's, that's kind of both. It benefits everybody. If, if, if you take out the trash, then I, then I have more time to do some of the things I need to get done. Right? So you can talk about that. But let me look at, let's look at 2 Corinthians. Um, in 2 Corinthians verse 9, Paul is writing to the people in Corinth and trying to encourage them to, to donate, to get together, offering together for the poor people in Jerusalem. And he tells them, uh, tells them this. Now, the fun part about this is I, tr I kind of talk about this at work sometimes. And the very first time I had to talk about this topic at work, this was my, my devotion in the morning. And so I, all of a sudden God's making a connection before what I had to talk about later in the day. So it's one of those moments of time I'll never forget. But in, in verse uh, 7 of 2 Corinthians, he says this. Um, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the, co the comfort God gives us. Uh, wait a minute, that wasn't what I was looking for. 
I was on the wrong chapter. I'm like, wait a minute. Sorry about that. I thought I had it in the right place. So Second uh, Corinthians 7, you must decide in your heart how much to give. And, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, but for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And he'll generously provide all you need. So God provides a, 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 an example of a rationale, a reason to give, and it's a benefit to us, right? It's good for us to be giving, right? He loves us when we give generously, right? And he's going to meet our needs. Um, in, in verse 8, he goes on and says that, um, sorry, verse 10, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. But he, he said that um, if, as, as a farmer, if you sow little, you're going to reap little. So if you don't do what, what he asked, asked him to do, then you're not going to reap those benefits. So he's pointing out a negative outcome. And then uh, later, he says that uh, you will be enriched in every way. Again, another positive outcome. And when you take your gifts to those in need they will thank God. Right? And it also says that the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. That's a concern for others. He's pointing out that when we meet other, when we give generously, their needs are going to be met. Right? So God gives us, in one chapter, God gives us three examples that took a lot of research back in the 60s and 70s of what kind of rationale is to give to our kids. All right, let me get back to my notes here. So there's, there's a couple things that we need to do to make rationales effective. And one of them is to make that connection to a behavior. For, like the, the example of cleaning your room. If, if it's clean, you can find your stuff. So what I want you to do now, think about what you wrote down on your paper. Think about what the natural outcomes of that behavior might be. If your kid does what you're asking them to do, what might be the natural outcome? Go ahead and make a, a few notes on your paper. You may have one. Maybe you'll have more. If you're not sure, talk about it with your neighbors. Now, let me, let me give you a couple other examples. Sometimes you might be telling your kids that not to argue with you. Maybe it's something as simple as that. It's not, even anything, it, it's not something they have to go do, take out the trash or mow the lawn or clean the room. If you don't argue with me, when you do disagree, I'm more likely to listen to you. That's a benefit to the kid. Okay? If, they, if they pick and choose when they disagree with you, you're more likely to listen to what they have to say. Now, one of them that's a challenge, anybody have on their paper that they don't listen to you? <laughs> Maybe they don't follow instructions. Maybe they don't follow directions. Maybe, we used to call it when my kids were growing up, we got, listen the first time, right? I wanted to say something one time. Now, what's the benefit to a kid by listening the first time? You know, 
They don't have to listen to me get a little, little louder the next time I have to repeat it, right? They can stop what they're doing, get back to what they were doing a little more quickly. Is another example of, of why they should listen the first time, right? Anybody want to share an example of what, what behavior they might be working on with their kids and what, what a natural outcome might be? Anyone? Yes. Go to bed. And what, what's the natural outcome of going to bed? You won't be tired in the morning. Yeah. You know what I really like about that one? It's very brief and specific. Now, you might be sitting down going, well, there's more than one rationale, one reason to give. Yeah. At each, you're going to have more than one opportunity to talk to your kids about this behavior, right? Anybody have to repeat themselves over and over? Yeah. So stick... Each time you're talking to your kid, stick to one reason, and then when you have four or five more, go back to the next time you're talking to them about it and mix it up a little bit, all right? So being brief and specific is one of the things that makes it effective. I always kind of remember trying to, trying to use the word and. If I find myself saying the word and, I've taken what is a brief and specific reason and I've turned it into a lecture, Right? Who likes to be lectured? What happens when you start lecturing your kids? They shut down. Yep, I heard that loud and clear. <laughs> they tune you out. So all these good reasons that you came up with, they didn't listen to any of them. <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't hear you. So save them for the next time. So pick one at a time. Nice and brief and specific, like she just, she just said. Hey, you got to go to bed. If you go to bed, you're not on time, you're not tired in the morning. Does anybody have another good reason for going to bed? Anyone? What? Because you grow when you're sleeping, right? Ooh, now, for, for those of us that have um, kids a little on the short stature side, <laughs> that could be a good one, right? So what's, what's good about that example is that it's personal, personal to a, for the kid, right? Some kids could care less about growing, right? These kids, I, I have a nephew, he was always ahead of the curve, right? Uh, my, I, I'm like the tallest in my family, uh, in, my, in my generation, all of 5'7", and somehow my nephew is 6'3", so... I don't know where he came from. <laughs> so my son is, is, I think when he stretches, he's 5'11". So. But yes, for some of those kids, that would be a good, good example. You grow in your sleep. Right? Any other examples? All right. Does anybody have another behavior thing they're trying to teach the kids that they want to give us an example? Anyone? Anyone from the overflow room want to run in here and share it with us? <laughs> I don't see anybody coming. Take a bath. Take a bath. All right? So what, what, what are the natural outcomes of taking a bath? You don't want to be the stinky kid in class. Now, for some kids, that's probably accurate. How many of you have a kid that just doesn't care about being the stinky kid in class? Yeah. <laughs> How many of you don't care about being the stinky kid? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, no. But yeah, you don't want to be the stinky kid. Take a bath. All right? If you take a bath quickly, you can have more time playing later. 
If we don't have to spend this time arguing about taking the bath, we can, you can have more time playing. Right? So for the kid that doesn't care about being stinky, finding the reason that's going to help your kid make that connection. Anybody else have another good reason why your kid should take a bath? It's healthy. Yeah. You know, you can also have fun in the bathtub. Hey, baths can be fun. So let's have some fun. Now, you might have to make them clean it up when you're done. <laughs> they didn't have those coloring soaps when I was a kid. No, we just take a bath. We used to take the bath out in the backyard. We, I grew up without a shower. I don't know. We, so we'd get hosed off outside before we ran into the bathtub when I was a kid. So old house, old house. Now, here's another example of what we need to do. For, for, our, for some kids, if you're working with little kids, you have little kids in your, house, uh, in your, in your family to say you don't want to be the stinky kid. But if you have a teenager... That might not be the right. So you want to make sure that you're using age-appropriate examples. Just like cleaning the room. If you told your 15-year-old, oh, you're more, you can find your toys a little more quickly, you, want, you have more time to play, hey, I know where my PlayStation's at. <laughs> right? My one toy. So make sure that you're using examples that are appropriate to the kid, your kids. Um, and then finding, again, the things that, are, that matter to them. So another good thing to do to look at when you're given examples and given reasons is not always make you the, the benefit or the, what's going on in your house. Sometimes pointing out to them like other situations. Uh, maybe you're trying to get the kid not to argue with you every time you tell them to do something. Well, if you, if you don't argue and somebody tells you, then when you do disagree... Think about your teacher. You can maybe use a teacher as an example. When you don't argue with your teacher, you're more likely to learn from what the, the assignments are trying to give you. Maybe they're in, they like sports. Talk about what's going on with the coach. You do what the coach tells you to do right away, and you're probably going to get better at your sport. Maybe have some more playing time. So you can use examples of things they're involved in. So you're, it, it's not always just about what's going on in your house. Kind of generalize it to other situations if you can. Does that make sense? All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to write out a, a, another, um, another couple of examples. I think I, you have some, um, I mean, I know you have more than one behavior you're working on. Right? And then what I want you to do is take that, write out those reasons for those behaviors and share them with somebody at your table. And see if it makes sense. Tell them what, what age kid that, kids that you have and who you might be giving it to. And then share that with somebody at your table to see if they, might, if they think that makes sense to your 6-year-old or your 12-year-old. Right? So go ahead and write those out and then share them with your neighbor.
All right. I, I hate to break up good discussions. I hate to break up good discussion, but does anybody want to share with us one of the reasons that they, were, they came up with? Anyone? No one? No one. Okay, so you don't want... How old of a kid do you have? What? Five. He's five, and he's hitting his sister, and you don't want him to hit his sister anymore. What, what reason did you give him not to hit his sister? Don't hit, don't hit girls. Okay? That's a benefit to her, right? Concern for others, right? You could hurt her, right? What other examples did you come up with? She might hit you back, right? So if you don't stop hitting her, she might, that would be that negative outcome, right? <laughs> that negative outcome. Right? So that she might hit you back. What other examples we might have for not hitting? Yeah. You bet. They, they, you're going to hurt their feelings, right? They might not like you. You're not going to have... But you're not going to make good friends if you hit them, right? You're not, your sister won't want to play with you. Now, some, maybe that's a benefit. Maybe she, he doesn't want her to play. <laughs> but there's always time that you have to play with your siblings, <laughs> right? Again, all of those for a five-year-old to be... Now, pick one at a time when you're doing that. So, thanks for sharing. Anybody else want to be brave? Why? Oh, so you have a kid that doesn't want to eat dinner. And how old are they? Um, well, five, four, six, All of them? <laughs> <laughs> <Me>? Who's cooking? <laughs> <laughs> so what reasons did you have for giving, to have them eat dinner? Get big muscles. Get big muscles. Dealing with boys. Well, maybe girls too, Right? Right? You want to get big muscles if you eat healthy, eat good. What else? You know, this is an old grandma reason. If you clean your plate, you get dessert. Now, I'm not saying every kid should have to clean their plate, but if you eat a good meal, then you can enjoy some of the fun stuff too, right? Now, that means you got to hold back the fun stuff until the good stuff is eaten, right, on a consistent basis. Anybody else have a good example, why they're, a good reason why their kids should eat? Eat their meal. So they don't get hungry. Yeah, that's a benefit, right? Now, they might not worry about it. So anybody else have one? Good example? Your tummy won't hurt. Your, yeah, the tummy won't hurt. Again, how old are they? If they're the younger ones, because then your tummy, your tummy doesn't hurt. When you're, your older ones, you might just be able to use the word hungry. They might not, younger ones might not associate that. If we're not sitting here fighting over how long to eat dinner, you have more time to go play. Could be a good good reason. Right? Now you got to give them that play time if they do eat their dinner. Right? Anybody else want to share one with us? All right. Well, thanks for sharing those. Here's a here's a couple of key things I want you to remember. One is that you need to use reasons often. Right? To make them effective, use them often with, their, with your kids. Don't just make them a once in a while. Oh, I think I remember hearing something about this. Every time you catch yourself saying, because I said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> think about a real reason to give your kids. 
So that, but also remember to be brief and use one at a time, right? Brief and one at a time. Don't, don't turn it into a lecture so they tune you out. Right? Now, again, you can use it whether you're, you're praising good behavior or whether you're correcting behavior or teaching something new. And when you point out the natural outcomes, your kids are more likely to do what you're asking them to do. How's that for a good reason? Right? All right. I got to, we have some time for questions. Anybody, anybody have a questions about using reasons? Yes. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, you, you may need to start with something that's a little bit more immediate. So, like, you'll have bad breath, right? People don't want to talk to you because your breath will stink, right? Because you, your teeth might hurt. When you get cavities, they might, your teeth might start hurting if you don't brush your teeth. Because most of our kids don't want to deal with pain. So, again, stick to finding the, the benefit instead of going to uh, that negative outcome. Like, if you don't brush your teeth, your teeth are going to fall out. That's, that's legit. I mean, it might, they might be my age by the time they fall out, <laughs> or older, hopefully. You know. the, uh, but um, think about it a little bit more short term. Because, again, by, by the time somebody stopped brushing their teeth, it would take a long time for their teeth to really fall out. So just think a little bit more immediate. Does that make sense? It is easy. <laughs> it is easy. Did anybody ever guarantee you parenting was going to be easy? No, I don't. No, didn't think so. Uh, it, it's not. Um, but if you work at it and you get and you practice at it and you use it, like any other skill you have, you get better at it. I'm not saying your first reasons with your kids are going to be perfect or going to be great, but it's, it's like anything else. The more you do it, the better you get. Any other questions? So, Jeff, you asked me to just share a little bit about my kids and just general parenting questions, open it up to other. That You want me to do that? Okay. Um, so a little bit of just about myself and my family. Um, Tammy and I have, um, we've been married about 24 and a half years. We're going on 25 this summer trying to figure out what we want to do for our 25th anniversary, trying to take a vacation somewhere this year. So we have two kids. We have Andrew and Kaylin. Andrew is 20, just about 21. Um, he he was, um, spent some time at University of Nebraska Kearney. He's kind of back at home right now trying to, trying to figure out things out a little bit, um, working as a nursing assistant uh, in an Alzheimer's unit. Caitlin is, a, is 19. She's a freshman at College St. Mary. So she's, uh, both of our kids serve at church here. We see them. It's kind of fun to do Sunday school together every week. Um, so they're, Andrew's with the fourth and fifth graders. Caitlin's with kindergartners. Tammy and I are checking kids in. I, lots of familiar faces you see us at the table in the morning. Um, I teach to a lot of your kids um, in the, the K through three from the, in the large group session on Sunday mornings. Um, we all, four, all four of us serve at Royal Family Kids Camp. Anybody familiar with Royal Family Kids Camp? So we'll be recruiting some of you guys later. 
<laughs> but my kids, are, again, are involved in church. When, if I remember Jeff's sermon a few years ago, and he had all the bubble gums, <laughs> the, 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 the gumballs, and how many opportunities parents spend with their kids. And, but he also, during that sermon, he said that by, by the size,